Welcome to Compassion Radio 360. Good morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio's 360 program. Welcome back to the microphone. Hello, it's good to be here. Snow's an interesting place to start because it seems like the entire nation's been dealing with it. Absolutely. A picture we saw on Facebook a couple days ago of friends of ours that are missionaries up in Alaska. And there was a view of the entire state of Alaska and a little star where they are sitting on that south side of the state. Everywhere you look, you see the shape on the map of Alaska. But you don't see a green or brown thing. It's completely white. Completely (laughs) white. We have no um, monopoly here in North Idaho on snow. But the story we're going to talk about today has to do with snow and the way it's affected a lot of the country during the last month, especially in the city of Buffalo. Yes, it has been terrible with the storms and the snow and the winds and the cold has been really hard on them. So, yeah, these are two stories that we found back to back. And I want to share them with our audience because they are such great stories about the goodness of humanity. And it's not just a good neighbor story either. So let's go ahead and jump into these two articles. The first article that we want to highlight is about a church in the Buffalo area that the pastors realized there are people out there that need to be warm. They could see the problem coming a day in advance. They knew it was going to be a problem that most people in the area might even lose power. So they reached out to their entire area, not just the people in their church, but geographically, as far as they could see, being realistic within a certain mile radius of their church. We could help these people. Even if they couldn't drive a car, they could walk here at least. So they invited them. Well, they put a message out on Facebook and said, hey, anybody that's in this area that needs a place of shelter, come over. The church is open and we're going to welcome you in. We're going to feed you. We're going to make sure that you're warm. We're going to have a place to sleep. And you're going to be safe here. And they prepped it well. Stocked the soup pots, got sandwiches ready. They knew they would have to be hospitable maybe for a number of days. They had non-perishables there, too. They had diapers. They had infant formula. They had blankets. They had socks. They had underwear. They had a food pantry and a clothes closet. Pulled it all out and laid it out on the tables and said, don't bring anything with you. <laughs> Just come, basically. Get whatever you Just need get here. get here, yeah. Now, what do you know about this church? I can tell it is an inner city church, an urban ministry of some kind. What do you know about this particular congregation? Well, the name of the congregation is Spirit of Truth Urban Ministry, and it's not just a church. There's all kinds of things that go on in this place of worship. They have addictions counseling. Mm. They have services for the homeless. They have youth programs for at-risk youth, after-school care. So this is not their first rodeo. They're addressing the problems that the community has presented to them over the years. So this is where they see Jesus at work, by addressing these things through them. Well, they have a task force that goes out into the community on a regular basis to assess the needs of their community. Take that information back and use it to develop programs there to help their community. And they're, they're very proactive. That's cool. Not just preaching the gospel with words, mm. but living the gospel. This church has made it a not just mission, but part of their personality, their character. The people in the community really know them personally because they're always out there addressing real needs every single week. Well, it's in their DNA. It's the reason the church was created. This is a community that has real needs, and we're part of this community, and we want to be part of the solution to help. Okay, they see a blizzard coming, took seriously what the government was saying about the danger of this, so they prepared for it, and they Mm -hmm. sent out this word through Facebook before the power went out. Mm -hmm. What happened? Well, people started trickling in. And how many of these people were already part of the church? Well, out of the 154 people that ended up there, 
Only three were members. Three out of 150. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've got this community of people that are suddenly inside your church, and if people see that they have a place of safety, a real place of safety, yeah, they're going to go there when they need safety. Yeah. One of the pastors says, these were strangers. I didn't know any of these people that came in. We had every race there. And there were a lot of displaced refugees that Mm -hmm. were settled there in Buffalo and becoming part of this group. Well, she said there were some Arabic-speaking people here. There were Nigerians here. There was every possible minority in the church. And we were all getting together, and we celebrated Christmas together. They were there Mm. Christmas Day. That's true. They made it a celebration for these families. Knowing there were small children there, they dug through everything they could find to see if they had just small gifts that they could hand out to these kids because their Christmas was back home where the power was out and it was unsafe to be. So here they are in this church, in this warm setting, just enjoying each other's company and probably breaking down some barriers of Mm. their own. You know how you can be, I don't know my neighbors very well, so I'm a little suspicious. All of those barriers were gone because they were all in the same boat. Yeah. And they needed the lifeboat. each other. And it seemed like this church would be one of the few in the area that would really get it early on. They, they weren't afraid of their neighbors, mm-hmm. and even if they hadn't met them. You know, their neighbors probably had lots of reasons to be afraid of the dominant culture in the area. You know, Buffalo was a very industrial white community for 150 years, and it diversified very fast after the war. In the past 20 or 30 years, it's become one of those anchor cities for refugees coming to the country. Mm-hmm. And like St. Louis, or near us here in North Idaho, spoke and very large area percentage-wise of accepting refugees mm-hmm. and resettling them. Buffalo is like that. Mm-hmm. So the people that are living there, doing this ministry, invited the whole community in and told them what to expect. That's important to mm-hmm. me. They said, there'll be food here. You'll have stuff for your kids. You'll be able to be staying here as long as you need. Just come. Yeah. And they meant it, and they demonstrated that. And soon they found out they actually needed to do this in their sanctuary for days. Mm-hmm. It didn't stop just at one night. Yeah. So how did the story wrap up for them? They began to leave the church by late Monday, early Tuesday. People began to trickle out and go back to their homes. When Buffalo started to thaw out, they said, you know, this was so wonderful because... It's not just that we met people that, oh, maybe we'll get them back in our church, in our congregation, but we have new friends now. Yes. And we have people out in the community that we can depend on, and these people know they can depend on each other. They know that they can depend on us. We're a family now. We have 154 new members of our family. One of the things that popped out to me was how this woman pastor says, that's what I've always wanted to do, to reach out to my community. And I've been able to do that. It reminded me of the verse in Hebrews that says, don't neglect Hmm. to entertain strangers because you may have entertained angels. And I thought, you know, that's not what their first thought was. Their Hmm. first thought was not, oh, let's do this because there may be angels out there. Let's flush out the angels. Yeah. They did this because they loved their neighbor, and they loved their community, and they wanted to serve it. In Sunday school, a lot of us probably got raised in churches where we would sing songs like, What a friend we have in Jesus. And we would sing that Mm -hmm. as a worship song. What if a community would be hearing us sing on the street corners, What a friend you have in me, Mm -hmm. and show it. It seems like this church was able to do that because that's who they were. Yeah. There's another story I want you to jump to that's from the same weekend about a man who found himself in dire straits and ended up committing a crime that he was later celebrated for by the authorities. Mm -hmm. Tell me about him. Jay Whitney is a mechanic, and he lives in the town of Cheektowaga, which is outside of Buffalo. It's in the Erie County community. 
And he got a phone call from a friend of his and said, hey, I need help. I am stranded. I need someone to come help me. Can you come? And Jay's like, I'm on it. I'm yeah. on the way to come and help you. And already you think this is a great guy yeah. to help a friend. On his way to help his friend who was trapped, his truck got stranded. He was able to dig it out and then get back in and go. And on his way, he sees a guy on the side of the road who's got a lightweight jacket and tennis shoes on. He pulls up and he says, you're going to freeze to death. Get in my truck. So the kid gets in the truck and they're driving to help Jay's friend. He got stuck again. Well, this time he could not get out because the snow was coming down so fast. He said to Mike, the guy in the truck, he said, you stay here. There's some houses where I'm going to go see if we can get some help. See if, if they'll let us stay there. So he goes knocking on doors and he said, I'll pay you $500 if you'll let me and Mike sleep on the floor. Everyone told him no. Every single house. Every single house told him no. He was pleading and pleading and they're like, nope, sorry, not going to happen. He tried to go back to his truck, but he got lost. The wind and the snow was blowing so wildly. Finally, he saw a blinking light. He's like, I think I parked near that blinking light. Sure enough, he had. He gets back to the truck, gets in. He's freezing. He says, I I just got to rest. I'm so tired. About 11 o'clock that night, he gets a knock on the door of his truck. He rolls down a window, and there's an elderly woman standing there. And she Hmm. said, can you help me? I'm cold. I don't know what to do. And so they're like, get in the truck. So there's three of them now in his truck trying to keep warm. Well, the gas ran out in his truck by the next morning. They went and got in her van. He's trying to figure out how to get help. GPS on his phone, he sees a school close by. So... He says to his new friends, I'm going to go break into that school because they'll have food in the cafeteria and there'll be heat. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what he does. Yeah. Premeditated breaking and entering. He did. Yep. He broke in the window, climbed in, goes and opens the door. His friends go in there and the security alarm is going off. They know that no one's coming because mm-hmm. everyone's in lockdown, basically. He says, I walked outside around the immediate area where I was and I'm noticing that there are some older people in their vehicles that are stranded as well. Or someone with a dog. And so I'm going from car to car to find people, get them in the school, get them warm. They go into the cafeteria cafeteria they find some apples and some cereal they go to the gym and find some mats you know like those gym mats that Mm -hmm. you use for tumbling when you're in elementary school so they could sleep on those and they all huddled together in one place that was warm he saved their lives he broke into the school committed a crime to save the lives of over 10 people i think that's beautiful yeah it's what he said about it afterwards that moved me. Mm. He said, I had to save these people. He describes himself as a religious man and that he viewed the whole ordeal as a blessing in disguise. Mm. If just one person had taken him up on his plea for shelter that night, he would not have been able to help these people. And earlier I said 10 people, but it was more than 20 people, actually, and two dogs. And two dogs, yeah. Yes. So he sees this as a blessing, even though he was turned away and fearful for his life. Just before Christmas, I traveled to Vietnam, a country we've long had on our radar for Bible projects. In fact, Norman Sherry Nelson did some pioneering work there 30 years ago, ferrying in batches of Bibles to the small but rapidly growing church in cities and hill tribe villages. I was astounded to discover that the early work had yielded tremendous fruit, opening doors we couldn't have even imagined three decades ago. For the first time in the history of communist Vietnam, Christians were now allowed to openly celebrate their faith and held two nationally permitted crusades in Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi. I witnessed hundreds of Vietnamese Christian artists and evangelists sharing their faith with tens of thousands of their countrymen, including government officials who had until recently been persecuting the church. 
The window of opportunity for the gospel is open right now, and Bibles are allowed in. The churches are asking for them earnestly, so please send your best gift today to help us provide the Bibles they are begging for in 2023. Reach us during business hours or leave a callback number at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. So he sees this as a blessing, even though he was turned away and fearful for his life. Think about that. God, in some ways, hardened the hearts of people in homes that could have rescued him and the guy with him in his truck. Mm -hmm. Because God had a plan. That, to me, is a sub-story here that you can't report on that because how do you go interview God about this? <laughs> but you can interview God's people. That's what they did. God's guy for the moment here. And this is Jay Withy. Someone that's the most unlikely to be celebrated for something that God made the man of the moment because he was already serving him. I think God had every intention of saving 20 people and two dogs and doing it through Jay. That he got a chance to share his story a little bit with the media. There's no assailing his story. I mean, it is the truth. It's really what happened. It's not sensational in the least. Mm -hmm. But it is truly, in my mind, a God story. That God knew the needs of these people and saved lives through people like Jay. The police told the reporters, we were shocked to see that there was all these people in the school. We were absolutely thrilled that this man took the initiative to break into this school and save these people, something they probably never thought they would say. We're glad he broke into the school. I love the message that he left on a whiteboard. He wrote, to whom it may concern, I'm terribly sorry about breaking into the school and for breaking into the kitchen. I got stuck at 8 p.m. Friday, slept in my truck with two strangers just trying not to die. There were seven elderly people also stuck and out of fuel. I had to do it to save everyone and get them shelter and food and a bathroom. Merry Christmas, Jay. So how do you wrap up two stories like this? One is a community that plans for the inevitable. They can see it coming, and together they have already had experience in ministering to their community, and they just kind of wrote it large and said, everybody can come. They assumed they would meet people that they had never known before. It turned out to be 99% of the people that they met were brand new to them. And they were all living right around them in their own community. And that provided all kinds of new friendships yeah. and open doors. On the other side, you've got a whole set of strangers that have zero reason to be together. Except for, you've got someone who's faithful, who believes that God put him on this earth for a reason. Mm -hmm. And then starts looking around for opportunities to serve. And never once it seems in the story, doubted that God was in it. Mm -hmm. So when he was turned away, he wasn't dejected. He didn't turn away from trying to help. He turned on the gas and said, go for it. God's got an answer right here. I got to keep going until I find it. Mm -hmm. And his faith ended up literally saving lives. Absolutely. Two very different approaches, I would think, to the emergency at hand, but both, I really truly believe, in the hands of God, mm -hmm. that he provided for the needs of people who didn't know they had a need, and opened doors for opportunity to show his love and build relationship with people through his people. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, has always been the key for what we do at Compassion Radio. We tell stories about people who are the hands and feet of Jesus, even if they don't know it, they are these things. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I'll always celebrate these two stories because I think they embody the absolute ethic of compassion that we are always talking about here. Mm -hmm. A couple of things to close out on. First is a quote from Shane Claiborne, who's one of these proactive activists for compassion. And he's a guy that speaks truth to power in the church. He ruffles feathers. He does all the stuff that a provocateur seems to do and makes people uncomfortable. Because he's always kind of pushing on important points that are found in the red letters of Jesus, he makes people uncomfortable within the church, mm-hmm. not outside the church. Right. And I think it's an appropriate place to be. And I don't know if it's a prophetic gift or not, but, but it is definitely revelatory. He's bringing to the front again the things that Jesus is thinking and has told us to do. Really interesting quote from a while ago. It said, quoting Shane again, When someone asks us if we are Christians, I think the best answer is to tell them to ask the poor, the incarcerated, the immigrants and refugees, the widows and orphans, the least of these. They will tell you who the Christians are. The scripture that jumped out to me was from Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-four, And it ties in, I think, to what Shane has been saying in that last quote. In Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-four, it says... And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, quote, You should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Okay, we normally read that as something that is like a great and utopian future where God is present and we'll all know how wonderful he is. My takeaway in these two stories and in Shane's quote is a little different. The first thing is, I think what Jeremiah is saying is, in our context, we don't need to go preaching to people, even our own family, saying you need to know God, because everyone will already see it in us. Mm -hmm. They will see the living Christ living it out in us. They will already know what it's like to be in the presence of God because they're in the presence of his people. Mm -hmm. And they're acting like him. That's the key, honey. It's an intentional living. It's how we live, acting like Jesus on a regular basis. And the second part of it about God's relationship to us in the face of our sinfulness. And I will forgive their wickedness and will never again remember their sins. Again, those who have received help and salvation in the forms that these stories are talking about, literally saving them from death, Mm -hmm. they will have seen God's people acting in a way that redeems the situation and transforms it, makes an opportunity to live happen, not just to survive, but to live and have community. They're going to know that God is a forgiver of sins and doesn't remember the sins anymore. Why? Because they see it in us. Now, if we are not the kind of people that are willing to start forgivably and live that way in front of others and remind them that whatever's going on in your life, that doesn't matter to me. You matter to me. Mm-hmm. And if we start there, then this is true. Yeah. And it will be revealed to be true to those who don't even think they know God because they will see God forgiving them and living in front of them in a way that is not condemning them because their narrative is negative in their own minds or they've had experiences or committed offenses or whatever. They will see in the people that rescued them that they love them and they'll know eventually that these are the kind of people that know they can love them because they know they are loved. Well, you'll notice in these stories, if you read them, that nobody asked for credentials. Nope. Nobody asked them to fill out an intake form Mm -hmm. or what their religious affiliation was 
or dot, 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 whatever. No one asked them that. They just said, come, you need help. We can provide that for you. And in the case of our second story, go. (laughs) This guy went from vehicle to vehicle, pulling people out of their stupor, being so cold inside their own vehicles, wondering if they'd survive the night, and dragging them Mm -hmm. to warmth and a warm meal. Mm -hmm. That is something that God does, too. He goes and grabs and pulls in. He saves Mm -hmm. because his people do that. We can't get around this fundamental reality that unless we act like God, the world will never see him. They will never know that he's a God who loves them. They're not going to go out of their way to check out a Bible from the library, go read it and say, oh, now I know who Mm -hmm. God is. They're going to know it because people who do read the word of God and say, I want to take this seriously. I want to live like this. God, help me to live like this. Go and live like this. And people see people living like that and say, wow. That's what God looks like. This is not the God I was expecting. This is not the church I was expecting. But man, how compelling this is. Tell me more. Mm. You know, that's the way the world is, in fact, going to see Jesus and always has. So that, I think, is our wrap up. And what a wonderful thing that something that was so disastrous for Buffalo at least can bring out a couple gems of truth in the midst of all that to remind us that it doesn't need to take a blizzard to turn the light on in our hearts to say we could be that person that plans for difficult times and makes it possible for others to survive them or ends up in circumstances where it's impossible, nothing can be done, no one's helping you, and still see God deliver and God deliver people around you that you've never known before. The thing is, honey, we can all do this. Mm -hmm. We can all prepare for this kind of thing. We can have extra water bottles in our car. We can have extra blankets in our car. Those of us who live in areas where there's a lot of inclement weather in in the wintertime, especially the snow and the sleet and all of that. What I mean is that we can plan not just to take care of our own families, not just to preparedness for emergency sake, but there might be someone out there who is going to need these things. We can prepare as best as possible if we don't lose power, if you have a fireplace or if you have a room that someone can stay in. You can prepare for these things. You can prepare even if you feel unprepared. Jay was not prepared for this. He was not prepared for the circumstances, but he was prepared to make room in his heart. Absolutely. He was the kind of guy that already knew God would be working through him. And when you say it was a blessing that I was not helped in order that I could help, that's a profound statement. And it goes back for me all the way to the Old Testament story of Joseph and his brothers. Yeah. God stripped everything that meant anything to him away and literally destroyed the family in order to save nations. And it was horrible for Jacob and his sons and what they went through and the crimes they committed against each other and how desperate the situation became for them before the reunion finally happened and the family was, quote, restored. They experienced a lot of trauma themselves, Mm -hmm. a lot of it self-inflicted, but God allowed that. And I think that's a very severe mercy that God would allow those things to happen. And yet we look at the results of it because God led us behind the curtain a bit to see what he was up to. Mm -hmm. He literally saved nations because he translocated Joseph through horrible circumstances to stand before kings. And because of that, he stood before them as a representative of the ultimate king, and he knew it. Mm -hmm. He said to his own brothers, it is good that God pulled me away from you, that all these things transpired because... He intended to save you and save them, and here we are together. I forgive you. I mean, that is powerful. 
Yeah. Things that we think are meant for evil can be used for good. Exactly. And that is the closing theme of Joseph's life. Whatever evil comes at us, God can and does intend to make good of it, period. Whether we see it or not, we have to believe that that's God's nature. But we're going to believe that's God's nature because we experience it in something. Somebody has shown us the way to this. I want to be the kind of person, I want to encourage others to be around me too, that are those kind of people, that whether or not they've ever felt like they had a part in this great play, ask God to let them and see God actually do it. I've never, ever known anybody, honey, that prayed that way, that didn't get an answer from God. Right. And that didn't find a way to be useful because the Spirit seems to bring to life in us the things that He intends to use to make a difference and to fulfill us, to make us experience Him in ways that we wouldn't have been able to had we not said yes. Mm. And that, I think, my friends, is the best way we can leave off this program of Compassion Radio's 360. We wish you God's best over this weekend. May keep you warm. (laughs) And if there's more (laughs) snows on the way to where you are, that it wouldn't be a scary thing. And that if there are situations that are scary for you or for others around you, that he'll provide for you the things you need to be the one that is the giver and the helper and the partner of the Spirit of God to do right and to do good and to win friends for God. Thanks for joining us. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? I hope so. Reach us during business hours or leave a callback number at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. You can even text the word COMPASSION to 53445. You can drop us a line, ask a question, submit a prayer request, or download a free Bible study guide in just the same way. It all happens at CompassionRadio.com. Remember, none of this is possible without you. If you believe hearing the good news from the front lines of faith builds your faith, then let us know today. We need you, friend, so contact us today.